turned off by religion and hypocrisy, hate being preached to, something missing in your life, you haven't been getting the whole truth, the whole Bible, and the Hebraic roots of the scriptures. Get answers and treasures now on Solace Radio. Four thousand years ago, the creator of the universe made an everlasting covenant with Abraham. All the land, from the Euphrates to the Nile, belongs to the sons of Israel. Shock waves will shake the earth as heaven reaches down to fulfill that promise. Every nation that attempts to interfere with that covenant will march onto the battlefield against the Almighty. Prepare for a rude awakening. Shalom, Torah fans. This is Michael Rood on the Golan Heights in Israel, and we are overlooking the beautiful Sea of Galilee. In today's episode, we are going to solve a problem in Matthew's Gospel that has literally destroyed the faith of countless believers through the centuries. We will not pretend that Moses wrote the Torah, nor Matthew his Gospel, in flowery Elizabethan English. We are going to engage our brains and hearts to seek the original, living word, Yeshua. For he alone is able to lead us into all truth, regardless of our translation errors. Now, episode two in the ten-part series, Raiders of the Lost Book. Let's find out what else we know about this anointed one, this prophet. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will raise unto David a righteous branch, and a king shall reign and prosper, and shall execute justice and judgment in the earth. Now, we know from David that he was promised that the anointed one, the Mashiach, would come from his loins. He would sit on the throne of his father David. He would come through the kingly line, would he not? And then it goes on to say, In his days, Judah shall be saved, and Israel shall dwell safely. Did anyone check CNN before you came tonight? Has this prophecy been fulfilled yet? Not yet. There are obviously things in the scriptures that have not yet been fulfilled. We go on. Micah, here's another prophecy about the Messiah, and this is what the ancient sages, the rabbis of Israel, have all recognized. Now gather thyself in troops, O daughter of troops, who hath laid siege against us, against Israel. And again, when it says the word hath, it's speaking in the prophetic future tense, as if it's already happened. Now we know at this time we've come back from Babylon, we have been delivered from Antiochus Epiphanes and the Greeks. The next thing that's going to happen historically as we look back is Rome is going to lay siege on the entire land of Israel and in the end Jerusalem will be plundered, the Jews will be spread all throughout the earth including all the remaining Israelites and basically the land of Israel is going to be desolate. And it says that this daughter of troops who will lay siege against Israel, 
they, the troops that besieged Israel, shall smite the judge of Israel with a rod upon the cheek. And this judge of Israel that's speaking of is recognized to be the Messiah. What is this judge of Israel, the king who will be smitten on the cheek? It goes on. But thou, Bethlehem, Ephrath, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, and remember, where is the Messiah coming from? From what tribe? From Judah. And what do we know about Bethlehem? The house of bread, this is where King David and his family, his lineage comes out of Bethlehem. And it says, Out of thee, Bethlehem, shall come forth unto thee, me, that is to be ruler in Israel. Yet out of thee, Bethlehem, shall he come forth unto me, that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from old, from everlasting. Therefore, Therefore, and every time you see the word therefore, you have to say, what is the therefore, therefore? Therefore, because the king from Bethlehem will be wounded, but not destroyed, by the military force which shall besiege the nation of Israel, he, he, the king, shall give them up. He shall relinquish his authority over them as their king until the time that she which travaileth hath brought forth. Then the remnant the lost sheep of his brethren shall return unto the children of Israel. So again, we're seeing a more full picture that this king of Israel will be smitten up on the cheek by the military force that is going to take over Israel. And he is going to give up his rulership, his authority over them as their king until a certain time. And that time is until the lost sheep of the house of Israel are reunited with their brethren. Now, one more. There are literally dozens of these prophecies that help us to understand about the Messiah. And let me say that some of these are very unclear. Such as, remember when the Kohanim and the Pharisees came out to uh, Yohanan ben Zachariah HaKohen, which I believe in Picayune you call John the Baptist, and they said, Are you the Messiah? And he said, I'm not. They said, Are you the prophet? What prophet are they talking about? The prophet of whom Moses spoke, that every feast of trumpets we are to remember and recognize that when he comes, we must listen to him. He said, no, I am not that prophet. At that time, we didn't know that perhaps the Messiah, the anointed one of Israel, the king would be smitten on the cheek, would also be the one that... We didn't know that he would also perhaps be the prophet. The prophet. But this is the picture that is painted here. So, it says that he shall stand and feed the remnant of his brethren in the strength of the Lord. He shall feed them in the exaltation of the name of Yahweh, his Elohim. And they, the remnant, shall abide in his flock. And then he, the smitten king from Bethlehem, who gathers the lost sheep of the house of Israel, shall be exalted unto the ends of the earth. And not until then will he be exalted unto the ends of the earth. Now, we go to Malachi, the last book before in your Bible in the Western world, we go to Matthew. Malachi 4.2, it says, Unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings. We recognize this prophecy, and it was the rabbis who said, this son of righteousness is speaking of the Messiah, and that the Messiah will have healing in the wings, the tzitzit, the kanaf in the corner of his garment. This 
Thread of blue, which is in the corner of this four-cornered garment here, we were told at Mount Sinai to put this on the corners of our garments to always remember to keep the commandments of the Lord. So that's why I'm dressed the way I am. This is not how people commonly dress in Israel today. I'm wearing a jalabia, a white linen garment, and over that the one-piece seamless garment that the Israelites wore. And then we were told to put this tzitzit on the corner to remind us to keep his commandments. And it says that the Son of Righteousness, the Messiah, will come and he will have healing. So anyone who grabs a hold of the tzitzit on the corner of his garment will be healed. Another messianic prophecy. So what do we know about this Messiah? He will cause us to remember the Torah of Moses, the instructions of Moses. It's in King James, the law, but in Hebrew, it's the Torah. It means the instructions. Now we, we know it is a consistent picture all the way through that the Messiah who is coming is going to teach us how to keep and understand the instructions from Moses. He is going to strip away the doctrines, rules, and regulations of men. He is going to deliver us from absolute rampant lawlessness and bring us back to a true understanding of what this life is really all about. Now we're going to look at Matthew chapter 1. So we turn the page to Matthew 1.1 and begin reading in the King James the book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Now I'm going to retranslate that right before your eyes tonight. Because the word book, you cannot think of a, a bound book like your Bible is today. That is a codex. They are not even going to appear on the planet for another 400 years after this is written. When it says the word book, it is the word scroll. Imagine the scroll like what we have up here, the scroll of the five books of Moses. That's what has to be in your mind, that picture. So again, leave your Western Gentile mentality behind. Let's take a look and retranslate the Bible to help us get a perspective of what this is all about. Jesus Christ, Christ is a title. In fact, it's a Greek title. In the Hebrew, it would be Moshiach, as we saw right from the beginning. Moshiach means anointed one. And the Greeks had a way of transliterating Moshiach into Messiah. But the Greeks were much more comfortable with the term that they had been using for hundreds of years at that time, which is Christos. And they called all of their gods, from Adonis to Zeus, Christos, or anointed. So... For me, I'm much more comfortable using the Hebrew terminology, Mashiach, which means anointed, because Mashiach only speaks of the one who would come and he would be of the tribe of Judah, he would be of the offspring of King David, he would be the one who would bring us back to an understanding of the Torah and how to live life. The Mashiach only speaks of one in the history of Israel. So I will use Mashiach or Messiah, and so now you know we're talking about the same one you've grown up speaking of Jesus Christ. Now, the word Jesus, or the name Jesus. Near, near, can I please ask you something? I understand, you speak Hebrew, correct? Now, I understand that all Hebrew names have a meaning. Is that true? That's correct. Okay. Uh, what does the name Jesus mean in Hebrew? Nothing. What do you mean, nothing? It's not a Hebrew name. It's not a Hebrew name. Now, Jesus or Jesus is a Mexican name, and I have heard people say that, hey, this must mean that Jesus was a Mexican. No! A thousand times no! No! His real name was Yeshua. Yeshua. 
Now, of course, we have grown up, we've been hearing Jesus our whole lives, but Jesus is not even a Hebrew name. It has no meaning. So let's translate this, and as it says, the son of David, by default. If he is Messiah, he must be the son of David. So let's look at this. Here's how we can retranslate this to help us understand. The scroll of the genealogy of Yeshua, Ha, or the Messiah. The son of David, the son of Abraham. Now we're going to go through this genealogy and see that by verse 17, we are going to have all this put in a vice for us so that we understand what this genealogy is all about, what it's supposed to communicate to us, okay? So I'm going to need your help on this, okay? So, all the generations, as it says in Matthew 1.17, from Abraham to David are... Okay, that was very weak. We don't want to teach our children how to wrongly respond in school. Let's try it again. So all the generations from Abraham to David are... Lovely. And from David and the carrying away into Babylon are... And from the carrying away into Babylon under the Messiah are... Wonderful. So now we're going to start right at the beginning, Matthew 1-2, Abraham, the first generation, begat Isaac, and so on down the line. We're not going to stop and read every single name. You're going to have to trust me that Jesse begat David, David, the 14th generation, who was the king. And so we can say with all confidence, after counting, all the generations from Abraham to David are... Wonderful. Now we have King David, and it is from his line the Messiah must come. Now David has a son, and his name is Shlomo, or Solomon. Solomon has a son, Rehoboam. Now we have the kingly line of David. And right on down the line to Josias, the 13th generation, who beget Jeconias and his brethren about the time that they were carried away into Babylon. So we can say, with all confidence, having a command of mathematics in the Western world, that from David and the carrying away into Babylon are... Lovely. Now, after they brought to Babylon, Jeconias beget Salathiel. Salathiel, Zerubbabel. And so on down the line, until we come to Jacob, or Yaakov, the 11th generation, and Yaakov begat Joseph, his son. And Joseph, it says in the King James and the Greek version of the Bible, Joseph was the husband of Mary. So we have the same generation. Joseph, he married Mary. And Mary, of whom was born Yeshua. Yeshua is the 13th generation who was called Messiah. And so from the carrying away into Babylon under the Messiah are 14 generations. How many of you were already aware from your studies in going to a theological seminary, whatever, that we have a problem here, that there are not 14 generations? Raise your hand. Raise them tall. Lock your elbows. Okay, so take a look around the room, folks, so you know that I'm not telling you anything that is not known in the, the scholarly world, okay? All right? I'm not telling you anything new. If this just is not what is taught for the most part because, you know, we're really not taught how to count in the Western Gentile Christian church. The Greek translation of the scroll of Matthew records the genealogy of Yeshua through Joseph, the husband of Miriam, doesn't it? It says Jacob. Who is Jacob's son? He begat Joseph. And who is Joseph's son? Well, no, no, according to the record, he is married to Miriam, and Miriam is the one who had Yeshua, but 
According to the record, Joseph was simply engaged to her. She came back from visiting her cousin Elisheva. She was already three months pregnant. Joseph was going to put her away privately, but he was told by the angel, Gabriel, that what was in her womb was of the Holy Spirit, that she as a virgin had conceived. Now, some people would laugh at that and say, hey, that's impossible. Well, I remember that was exactly the response of Abraham and Sarah, both who laughed in the face of Almighty God and said, you're joking, it's impossible. It's long past the time she can have a child. Sarah, it's impossible for her to have a child. She can't have one. They laughed. Which was a shadow picture. Remember that very same child that she really did have, and it was a miracle that she had that child Isaac. Then God told Abraham to take that child and to build an altar and put time to the wood of the sacrifice and offer him as a sacrifice. Do you think that that was just a bad joke the Almighty was playing? No. When Isaac had the wood of the sacrifice on his shoulders, he said to his father, Father, where is the lamb? I've got the wood of the sacrifice on my shoulders. Where's the lamb? Abraham said God will provide himself a lamb. And just before he took that knife and plunged it into his son, the angel stopped him and said, he knows that he will not withhold the life of his only son. And a male lamb of the first year was provided as a substitute for the son. And throughout all of history, the male lamb of the first year was the substitute for the son. So, we shouldn't laugh when we hear that Miriam conceived. But is Joseph any relationship to Yeshua? No. Stepfather... That doesn't qualify him in the line of King David. This is all about Joseph being in the lineage of King David, right? But Joseph is not even a relative of his, is he? Okay, and we only have 13 generations. Does anyone see a problem here now? Do the rest of you see a problem? Okay, raise your hand if you see that there is an apparent problem here. Okay, wonderful. Now, according to the authorized King James Version of the book of Matthew, and according to every extent Greek text on the planet, from the carrying away into Babylon under the Messiah are only 13 generations. We can't even count to 14. We can't even get through the first chapter of the book of Matthew. And the problem is most of us have been brought up not to even care. Now, Luke chapter 3, verse 23, And Yeshua himself began to be about 30 years of age, being, as was supposed, the son of Joseph. Was he the son of Joseph? No, but people expected that he was conceived out of wedlock. In fact, when Yeshua was confronting the Pharisees, the Pharisees ranted back on him and said, We be not born of fornication. You're lecturing us. You were born in fornication. We're not. Everyone thought that he was conceived out of wedlock. And it says Yeshua, as was supposed, was the son of Joseph. Now Joseph's father, Joseph was the son of Heli, right? So it says, this is the lineage of Yeshua through what? Joseph, his stepfather, his supposed father, right? Isn't that what it says? Some people have tried to say, this is Mary's lineage. Where do you see Mary even talked about here? It's not there. People have tried to make it up, but it's not there. Jesus, 
His supposed father was Joseph, not his real father, his stepfather. Joseph's father was Heli, Mephet, Levi, Diana, Joseph. Oh, here's Joseph. He has a great, great, great grandfather with the same name. Not very unusual because Joseph is an extremely common name. Now, the Greek translation of the scroll of Luke records the genealogy of Yeshua through his stepfather Joseph, the husband of Miriam, correct? The Greek translation of the scroll of Matthew records the genealogy of Yeshua through his stepfather Joseph, the husband of Mary, correct? The problem is, according to the Greek and King James Version of the New Testament, there is no genealogical record whatsoever that Yeshua is related to King David. How many of you are already aware of this problem? Raise your hand. Okay? A number of people are aware of this problem. If he's not the son of David, he can't be the Messiah. Then why is it that I believe that he's Messiah? Furthermore, the two Greek genealogical records of Yeshua through his stepfather don't even agree with each other. Let's look at them. Matthew. We see Yeshua, his mother was married to a man named who? Joseph, according to what it says in Matthew. But Joseph's father was Jacob, whose father was Mephat, Eliezer, Eliot, Akim, Zadok. But in Luke, we have Yeshua, his supposed father was Joseph, but his father was Heli. Mephat, Levi, Melchi, Yana, and Yosef. They don't agree with each other, do they? You get past the first generation, and it all falls apart. Does anyone see that there's something missing? There are supposed to be 14 measures here. There are only 13, and the entire symphony seems to have gone awry. Could it be that we have not understood the original handwriting? Because the Aramaic text of Matthew's Gospel and Nehemiah is going to bring forth some of this because he is fluent in ancient Aramaic and Syriac and Hebrew. And he's going to show you that the Gospel of Matthew that we have was translated from the Greek, but Matthew wrote his Gospel in the Hebrew language. It was then translated into Aramaic, and he's going to show you evidence that from the Aramaic it went into the Greek. We're going to take just one step back and we're going to see what the Aramaic reads. And Jacob, the eleventh, Yaakov, the eleventh generation, begat Yosef, the twelfth generation, who was the father of Miriam. That makes Miriam the thirteenth generation, of whom was born Yeshua, who is the fourteenth generation, who is the called the Messiah. Now we have fourteen generations absolutely perfect, not a single beat missing, and now we have the lineage of Yeshua through his only earthly parent, the seed of the woman who goes right straight back through the kingly line of David, then all the way back to Abraham. Absolute perfection. But according to the King James, it immediately, the first chapter of Matthew falls apart, there is no lineage of Yeshua through King David, and he is unqualified to be the Messiah. That's scary when we can't even get past the first book of Matthew. And I know some people say, if the King James was good enough for Moses, it's good enough for me. <laughs> well, let's take a look at this. From the carrying away into Babylon under the Messiah are, in fact, when it all comes down to it, if we dig just one layer back, 
14 generations. Exactly what the scripture says. It puts it in a vice. There's no way out of it. And finally it all fits together. How many of you are thankful now after hundreds of years of people not understanding this that there is an answer that makes sense? Anyone happy about this? Yahshua is related to King David through his only earthly parent, Miriam, the daughter of Yosef. In Matthew 1.16, Miriam's father, Givrah in Aramaic, was named Yosef, and he was a son of Yaakov from the royal line of King David. However, in Matthew 1.19, Miriam's husband, Baalah in Aramaic, was also named Yosef, but he was a son of Eli. The Greeks used the word aner to describe both Miriam's father and Miriam's husband. But aner simply means a person, a man or woman of full age. The English translators completely missed the point of Matthew's genealogy by assuming that Miriam's father, Yosef, was the same person as her husband, Yosef. By simply consulting the Aramaic, which is one generation closer to the Hebrew original, we are finally able to count to 14. Join us again next time for Episode 3 in our 10-part series, Raiders of the Lost Book. This is Michael Rood in the Galilee, bidding you shalom, peace, and I will see you when the smoke clears. spiritually hungry world speak to the rock get answers for your life find out what's missing in your bible and why solace radio changing lives one heart at a time